0: Uh, so anyway, let's get right into our word this morning. We've been, we've been in this series, now we'll, we'll finish it out, uh, I, I told the early service this morning that I read somewhere that there are over 300 questions that Jesus asked in the Gospels. Now we're not going to try to answer all 300 questions. Uh, we will finish out the summer by this sermon series on questions that Jesus asked. Uh, <laughs> let me just remind you that whenever Jesus spoke, it meant something. How many have ever met somebody that spoke and they just sounded like the Peanuts teacher? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Wah, 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 wah. You know, it's like they, they're, they're making noise, but they're not saying anything. Jesus wasn't like that. Jesus if, if Jesus said something, it meant something. If he asked a question, there was a purpose behind it. And so we want to find out uh, what did Jesus intend for us to learn through the questions that He asked? Uh, so we've done a few questions already this morning. We're going to answer the question: Why are you crying? Why are you crying? I'm going to read one verse of Scripture this morning. Very familiar. I'll set it. I'll contextualize it here in a moment. But verse number 15. Okay. This happens uh, at the resurrection. Verse 15, Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you searching? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away away. May the Lord add His blessing to His Word this morning. Now, let, let me just give you a disclaimer this morning. This message is going to sound a lot like an Easter message, okay? But it's a very important question that we're asked in the gospel there. Um, the Easter story, let me just tell you this. We are, we are third-day people, okay? And, and some of you might not be familiar with the, with with the third-day concept. The resurrection has a bearing on our lives, not just one day a year, but every day. I I know on our calendars it says Easter, and that usually falls sometime in the spring. Uh, Next year, uh, if the Lord tarries, I think it's going to be the last Sunday of March. And it all has to do with the moon and, you know, all that kind of stuff. They're smarter than me to figure it out. But anyway, uh, next year it'll be in March. Sometimes it's in April. Um, But it's more than just one day. Easter is relevant for every day. It's relevant for our lives. You, you might not be familiar with the phrase third-day people, but what it simply means is that you and I, okay, we, we believe in the finished work of Jesus at Calvary. That's what third-day means. We believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ at Calvary. He came, he died, he was buried in a borrowed tomb. Three days later, he arose victorious over death, hell, and the grave. Not only do we believe that as third day people, we also believe that the resurrection power is relevant and available for believers today. In fact, the word of God says, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in us, he will quicken our mortal body if the spirit dwells in us. So so again, it's not just one day out of the year that we celebrate Easter. It's a again that song that we sang, we will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That means right now. Right now, we can experience the goodness of the Lord. Right now, we can experience resurrection power. Now, in our story, let me just, let me give you some context of it. In our story, we find Mary Magdalene weeping outside the tomb. Now, you've got to go back to Matthew's version. Matthew gives a little bit of insight on what's taking place here uh, in chapter 27. In chapters 27 of Matthew, we find that there are two Marys that go to the tomb that day uh, and, and the Bible says that they were sitting in Matthew chapter 27 says they were sitting over against the sepulcher. Okay. So I want you to try to picture what's going on here. Uh, I, I, I've been to the tomb twice. I, I did kind of what Mary did. I stuck my head in that hole. I looked this way and 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 guess what? I didn't find anything. He, he wasn't there. And, and, and so Mary goes to the sepulchre, the two Marys, and we specifically talking about Mary Magdalene. They were sitting, the sepulchre, where is that? They were sitting next to the entrance of the tomb where the body of Jesus had been put in. It's important we understand that because there are skeptics today who say that these women went to the wrong tomb. Again, there are people that scoff at the resurrection of Jesus. And so one of the reasons they say that Uh, they they don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus, is that these two women went to the wrong tomb. But Matthew says they knew exactly where to go. They're sitting next to the sepulcher. They're sitting next to the tomb where the body of Jesus, where they saw his body place. That's important. Another thing I see about this story is that they they weren't just sitting next to a tomb that housed a dead man. They were sitting next to the end of their faith. They they weren't sitting next to the end of their faith. Pardon me. (laughs) They weren't sitting next to the end of their faith. They were sitting next to a promise. We sang that song. I want you to grab hold of that. On the surface, it looks like Mary is sitting next to a dead faith. With her eyes, she watched Jesus be placed in that borrowed tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. With her eyes, she saw that stone rolled in front she heard with her ears, Jesus say, it is finished. So she's sitting next to a tomb, not realizing she's sitting next to a promise. Again, she may not have realized it at the time, but Jesus made a promise about this very day. In fact, if you go back and read Jesus, what his words, Jesus said over and over again, tear down this temple, and in three days, I'll raise it up. Do you know what he was doing there? He was giving a promise. You tear down this temple three days i 'll give a promise. So we find Mary weeping because when she looked in the tomb, it was empty. She stuck her head in there, she probably walked into it, looked around, could not find the body of jesus again she 's puzzled because she saw them, put him in there her world so so think about this for three and a half years, Jesus went about doing good, he was ministering. Uh, The Word became flesh. He was one of us, walked around doing good, uh, doing the feats of God and just doing incredible things. She watched, she heard, she observed all that Jesus did. And then on Friday, she sees him tried, betrayed, tried, crucified, and then taken off of a cross and put into a hole in in the side of a mountain. So Mary is sitting next to a tomb with all hope, devastated. Again, I want you to think what's going through her mind there. The world, her world had been devastated. She had witnessed Jesus being arrested again, tried, crucified, and buried. She had heard him talk about being raised from the dead probably numerous of times, but she saw it with her own eyes. How many understand that that it's kind of hard to argue with what you see? It's kind of hard to argue with what you see. She had heard with her ears Jesus say, Tear it down, and three days I'll build it up. But she saw with her eyes him hanging on a cross. She saw with her eyes Jesus look up to the heavens and said, Eli, Eli, Lama Sabachthani. She heard that. She heard him say, it is finished, and then, and then bow in death. She saw it. So when she saw that lifeless body go into a tomb, for her, hope had faded. For her, death had come and and it's kind of hard to argue with that. And so she stands there crying, Jesus appears to her, and he asks her the question, Woman, why are you crying? Now you gotta understand he not he's not just randomly asking that question. Woman, why are you crying? What a profound question. Again, there's over 300 questions, and many of them I thought would be very relevant, but, but, I, but I feel like the Lord wanted me to share this today because there's somebody here, maybe online this morning, that you find yourself in the present moment, you're weeping. You may not be shedding tears physically, but on the inside, you're crying. And he's standing here today saying, why are you crying? Tears are an expression of deep emotions. And, and so think about it. Why do we cry? Well, we oftentimes find ourselves crying for understanding. Sometimes we find ourselves crying because we need comfort, or we need hope when life throws us a curveball. How many's ever had life throw you a curveball? You know, I played baseball for a long time, and and uh, it was always hard to hit a curveball. You know, the coach would always say, "Oh, you got to get up in the you got to get up in the box." Some coach say, "You got to get back in the box. You got to catch it on the break." Whatever. <laughs> it was just kind of hard. So, so think about it. Why do we cry? We cry because we won't understand these. How many' of ever had something happen in your life that you couldn't figure out why? You had things that happened in life. Maybe, you've gone, maybe you went to the doctor for a routine exam, and the doctor looked at you and says, "I'm sorry, but you have cancer." M- maybe, maybe you've gone to your employ- you went to work. A company you've worked for for a long time, a company that you anticipated would be—you uh, would live, you would work there until until it came time to to retire. You go into the office, and when you when you walk into the office, they hand you a pink slip, and you don't understand. How many's ever been there? You don't understand. You cry. We cry for comfort because, again, we lose those that we care about. We lose those that we love. We cry for hope because we need something greater than just what we have in front of us. So we cry. Let me ask you, does that describe you this morning? If Jesus stood next to you, would he ask you the same question? If he asked you, uh, why are you crying, would you be able to answer it? Why are you crying? See again, Jesus doesn't ask this question because he's unaware of our pain. You've got to understand that. Hebrews chapter four, verse 15 says, "We I love the message paraphrase of it, says, "We do not have a high priest who is out of touch with our reality." Isn't that good? We do not have a high priest who is out of touch with our reality. See, there are some people that believe in God, but they believe that He's somewhere way out in the cosmos and has nothing to do with the day-to-day events of our lives. I'm telling you that that is not the God of the Bible. My Bible teaches me that He knows my downsitting, He knows my uprising, He knows all the minutiae about my life. In fact, He says, I have the very hairs of your head numbered. All that simply means is that He knows the minutiae of my life. If something is insignificant as our hair that's here today and gone tomorrow, <laughs> he cares he cares again we do not have a high priest who is out of touch with our reality and he goes on and he writes this he said uh, uh, Peterson says he has been through weaknesses and testing he's experienced it all but without sin think about that so we sit here and we cry about things that are going on in our lives and he said why are you crying you have a high priest who understands. He's moved by the afflictions of your life. He's moved by the circumstances of your life. Why are you crying about it? Jesus asked that question for us to probe deep inside where we hide the hurt and the pain. You know why? So he can heal us. See, we're, we're very good as people, as human beings. We're very good at suppressing our emotions. Are we not? Amen. We're very good at hiding our feelings. We, we push it down, you know, have you ever gone up to somebody and said, uh, ask them, hey, how you doing? What's the canned answer? Fine. Fine. And then they put that plastered smile on their face, fine. You know, they're not, fine. <laughs> you got to pray for lying now because you lied. No, I just some mess. <laughs> That's a different message. <laughs> But but again, we're very good at it. We're good at suppressing those emotions. So Jesus asked a question so that we could could probe deep into our spirit to those places, those recesses that we hide all of the pain, all the unmet expectations, all of the disappointment so it can be brought to light so he can heal it. You see what happens, I I mentioned this in early service. Many of you know that I'm the uh, lead chaplain for the uh, field chaplains for the sheriff's department, and I was talking to our chaplains not long ago, and I made this statement. I said, you know, when you see officers act out on TV where you see normally a, a situation that makes the news, you don't see the good stuff the officers do or the deputies do. You only see the bad stuff, right? So so what you see, I said, here's what I, I'm, I believe, is that when you see an officer um, go to extreme measures in doing something, responding to a call or whatever. I said, I believe it's because they have suppressed the emotions of trauma that they have dealt with over the course of their career, whatever it is, and it is now manifesting. Because, see, I was raised at a time, again, I, I, I'm a southern-born-bred man from, from L.A., lower Alabama. You know, it's about as low as you can get, Mobile, Alabama. I, I, I was taught and many of you here today were taught, that grown men don't cry. cry. Listen, I have a theological term for that, (laughs) B-O-L-O-G-N-A. Jesus wept, he was a man's man. But yet we think if we're male, if we're men, we don't cry. But I'm telling you that That if you, we again are very good at suppressing and pushing down all of those emotions. And if you don't deal with that stuff, that's why Jesus asked this probing question, because he wants us to get down into the recesses of where we've buried the hurt. A few weeks back, I preached a message. Why do bad things happen to good people? And one of, the, one of the points of me being very transparent in that message and talk about the hurt and the disappointment that, I, that I've gone through with my wife and the suffering that she's had over the last 11 years is because, I, again, I want you to understand, there's, there's some deep stuff inside that God continually helps me to bring out so I can deal with it. you got to expose stuff to the light. you got to expose it so He can heal Again, this is an uncomfortable question because it requires us to dig deep into the hidden recesses of our being. You see, there's always a reason behind our tears. There's always a reason behind the tears. And so Jesus asked us the question so that we can come to grips with why we are, why are you crying? Tears prepare us to receive what God has for us. You know, Mary, again, sitting next to the sepulcher, sitting next to the tomb, weeping she watched hope die she watched him the the future she anticipated evaporated right before her eyes she she had no idea that the one who was asking her the question was the one to restore hope and renew her dreams you see the thing was she was sitting next to the promise not realizing he was the promise see to her she's sitting next to a tomb what's a tomb for housing dead things. You see the difference there? She's sitting next to a tomb. Every, all the evidence said, he's dead. Your hope's gone. No, nothing will be the same anymore. All the future that you, had, that you had hoped for and dreamt for, it's gone. It's evaporated. He's in the tomb, and there's nothing you can do about it. See, we do the same thing in life. How many times do we sit not understanding that we're third-day people that still believe in the power of the resurrection, that still believe that God can speak into dead things and dead situations and bring life out of death. How many times do we sit there weeping over things that God has promised us to live again? That's what she's doing. She's weeping. She's crying. Again, we all have times that overwhelm us. And how many times do we forget the promises of God? Do you know there are 7,487 positive promises of God in the Bible? How many of them do we hang on to? How many of them do we hang on to when, when the doctor says, I'm sorry, but you have cancer? How many of those promises do we hang on to when, we, when the bank says, I'm sorry, but we're going to foreclose? We're going to repossess? You see, ignorance is the most expensive thing of all. What we don't know absolutely hurts us. And ignorance, it's killing us today. You know, we think Jesus has deserted us, but listen to me. He's made a promise. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Do you know that's a promise of God? If God, if God breaks that promise, then you can't trust anything else that he said. He said, I will not leave you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Not only that, but he said in Matthew twenty eight twenty, he said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's a promise. We think that he's not listening to our prayers, right? How many's ever, how many's ever said something like, well, when I pray, why, why pray? When I pray, it sounds like, it's almost like the heavens are brass. Anybody ever pray, said something like that? It's almost like my prayers never, never make it beyond the ceiling. Well, Jesus said in John 14, verse 13, he said, And whatsoever you ask in my name, that will I do, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask, I'll do that so that my Father will be glorified. See, those are promises. Those are, what, what is a promise? It's something you can stake your life on. See, Mary was sitting next to a promise. To her, in her natural vision, she's sitting next to the sepulcher. She's weeping because the tomb represents death. It represents the end. You know, it looked like the end of the road. It looked like Jesus had been defeated. And it looked like her faith was in vain. It looked like the Savior was dead. But regardless of what it looked like, that was on Friday. Sunday was coming. Three days later, I wonder how many of us are sitting by the tomb on a Friday. We've watched our health die, we've watched our marriage die. We watched our family die. We've watched our finances die. And we're sitting there weeping, not realizing that before us is a promise. That there's a promise. You see, that's the thing about a promise. When it is given, that promise has to be grabbed by faith. It has to be grabbed by faith. See, the promise is not the reality, nor is it the finality. There's too many alities in this, but there, it's the potentiality, okay, of that which is to come. That's the promise. You know, we may look, at a tomb, we may look up and see a tomb and, declare that, and it declares that it's the end. But listen, if, if we have a promise from God, there's more to what appears, right? What did Hebrews say? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. See, Mary was not sitting next to the end. She was sitting next to the promise of a new beginning. See, many of us sit here on Friday, again, the the metaphor of Friday, we're sitting next to the promise. It's Friday. It looks dead. It looks hopeless. It looks like nothing can come out of it. But if you'll hang on and stay by the promise, Sunday will come. See, that was a promise of a new beginning right there. Hey, man, that's okay to do that. Listen, she, she wasn't sitting next to defeat. Again, from the natural, it looked like she's ne- ne- sitting next to defeat. She's by the sepulcher. She's weeping because the body had been put in there, dead. Now he's alive. She doesn't know it. She, she's forgotten the promise. How many of us forget the promises of God? She's sitting there, again, thinking that she's defeated, but she's really sitting next to the promise of to- total victory. See, she wasn't sitting next to death. She was was sitting next to a third-day promise that brought victory. How many of us today are at that same place? See, Mary, all she could see was the evidence with her eyes of death, hopelessness, destruction, but she was sitting next to a miracle. I'm saying we're third-day people. We believe in the resurrection of Jesus. We believe that even if it is dead, even if that body is dead, even if that marriage is dead, even if those finances are dead, we are third-day people. We still believe that Sunday comes. And when Sunday comes, there's a new day, a new resurrection, a new power, a new beginning for us. I still believe that. Call me a throwback if you want to. That's okay. I feel like a dinosaur sometimes anyway. (laughs) Little boy came into the early service this morning, had a dinosaur I said, what's that dinosaur do? And he goes, roar. <laughs> I'm like, I resemble that. <laughs> Let me ask you what, are you, what are you sitting next to this morning? What promise are you hanging on to this morning? People, people look at you and they tell you that you should give up and quit. How many times, uh, you know what? The easiest thing you can do is quit. We, we, we raised a generation of pansies today. They have no te- there, there's, no, there's no tenaciousness about them. If it's hard, they quit. If it's a little bit painful, they quit. If it's a little bit of work, they quit. Well, we live in a world of quitters. I don't want to chase that rabbit. (laughs) But what are you sitting next to? Again, it would be easy. People, again, look at you and tell you, go ahead and quit. Give up. You see, they, they see problems and heartaches and disappointments and failures and all of these things. What I'm saying is you've got to change what you're looking at. Because you may think you're sitting next to a tomb of death and destruction and despair and anguish and and all that stuff, but you're really sitting next to a promise. If you're hanging on to the Word of God, you've got a promise of a better tomorrow. You see the Holy Spirit that lives within us. You know what it is? It's a promise. You know what? It's a promise. The Bible calls him a guarantee. What does he guarantee? That everything that Jesus said would come to pass. He said, I've got to go away, because if I don't go away, the comforter won't come. But when I go away, the comforter will come, and he will live inside of you, and he becomes the deposit. How many ever had to put down earnest money for a house that you were buying or something? See, that's what the Holy Spirit becomes. The Holy Spirit becomes an earnest, uh, an earnest, a deposit. God has made a deposit through the Holy Spirit of that which he's already pro- proclaimed. Listen, I believe Jesus is coming. You know why? Because he said he was. That's a promise. He's coming, amen. Listen, there are people all around us that look at us and say, you know what, I don't know why you just don't go ahead and call a divorce attorney because your marriage is over. I don't know why you just don't give up and your health is done, your, your finances are done, go ahead and declare bankruptcy and be done with it. All they see is problems and all they see is heartaches but you, and, and, and all they see is a lost, lost cause. But I'm telling you this morning, somewhere in time, if God has given you a promise, then hang on as a third-day person because resurrection is coming. Paul said to the Galatians, he said, You know what? Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season, due season, you'll reap. See, when that when that mom becomes pregnant and that baby begins to grow inside of her, there's a due date coming. And that that those parents, particularly that mom, live with the expectation that there's a due date coming when that child, that promise will be birthed. It's the same thing for us. Everything around us may look hopeless and helpless, but if we have a promise of God, there's a process that's going on. There's a development going on. And one day, if we we don't become weary, the due date will come. And that promise that you've been hanging on to, I've shared this with you before. When I was a kid growing up in church, my, my Sunday school teacher, Sister Tillman, Had a husband, for 14 years she prayed for that man. 14 years. He wasn't a believer. He never never restricted her. She was, again, a Sunday school teacher. She was always involved in church. He never never restricted anything she did about the church. He just wasn't a believer and he wasn't going to go to church. And that teacher for 15 years prayed, 14 years prayed for his salvation. Finally, she got to the point of desperation where she started praying this prayer. God, whatever it takes, reach my husband. I mean, that's a loaded loaded prayer. She prayed that prayer, whatever it takes, reach my husband. One day, he's out in the pasture, and he's got a tractor hooked up to a stump, and he starts to pull that stump out of the ground with that tractor, and the tractor flips over and crushes him. And as he lays under that tractor, he says, God, if if you get me out of this alive, I'll serve you until I die that day that man was born again he had health issues the rest of i didn't know him before he was saved i just knew the story 14 years she prayed and finally said god whatever you got to do reach my husband laying under that tractor in the pasture in south alabama he said god preserve my life god changed him saved him he had health issues the rest of his life but he was a believer. He worked at the church. He was faithful in attendance, faithful in serving. He did all that he could do because he honored what he had promised to God. Listen, she held on to a promise. That's what I'm trying to tell you. How long have you held on to that promise? See, sometimes we get to a place where we've been crying so long and weeping so long for a promise that we've been holding on to that we almost get to the point where we're ready to do this. Say, I'm done. What I'm here telling you this morning is if you're sitting next to a promise and you're weeping over that promise, hang on to it because it will come to pass. See, it might be your Friday right now. It might even be your Saturday. Maybe you're somewhere from, the, from, that, from that inception of things. You know, how many's ever had this happen? It just goes from bad to worse. You pray, you have faith, you're like, boy, oh boy, we're going to get it done, and then it gets worse. The darkest hour. It's just before the dawn. Listen, maybe you don't even know why you keep holding on to the promise. But there's something inside that said you're a third-day person. The resurrection power of Jesus is available today. Maybe the trials and tribulations of life have caused you to forget the promise. And, and, And maybe that's why I'm preaching this today, because God wants to remind us that with Him, that promise that you're hanging on to will become a reality. You've been sitting, staring at a problem. It looks impossible. You've sat there as your hopes and your dreams have evaporated. One by one, people around you have walked away from you. They've turned their back on you, given up. Just when you're ready to throw in the towel, remember the promise. May God help us today to remember the promise. If God gives us his word, you can hang on to it. You can take that to the bank, my friend, because heaven and earth will pass away, but not one word will fall by the wayside. On Friday, Mary's sitting next to the promise, but early Sunday morning, on the third day, her promise became a reality. I love that exchange there. See, what was ominous on Friday was empty on, on Sunday. <laughs> what was potential on Friday was power on Sunday. You know, they were wondering how they were going to get into the tomb, and, 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 and I love the fact that the angel had announced he's not here. He's, remember Mary? He told you that. Remember, how many of you today are holding on to a promise? Yeah. It's, it's, okay to, it's okay. You're holding on to a promise. It could be, it could be for health, it could be for, for for a relationship. It could be for I mean, it could be for ministry. I mean, there's a lot of things. God just sent me today to remind you. Hold on to that promise. It may seem dead that child may seem so far away from god you wonder if they even have a concept of who god is if you have a promise you hang on to it i still believe that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much mama don't stop praying daddy don't stop praying that daughter that son that grandson that granddaughter the arm of the Lord is not short; that He cannot reach them. I don't care how far in depravity they have sank. I don't care how far out in the world they have gone. The ear of the, the eye of the Lord and the, the arm of the Lord is not short. The ear of the God is not deaf to their cry. God's able. Hold on to that promise. Hang on to it. See, this is the gospel message. This is the message. What's the message of the gospel? Jesus makes the difference. That's the message of the gospel. Jesus makes all the difference. You might be here right now weeping for things that are going on. Everything in your life looks dead. Everything in your life looks hopeless. It doesn't seem to be getting better. You're weeping right now, but hang on, because joy comes in the morning. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Don't give up on the promise of God. If God has given you a promise hang on to it sit by it hold on to the promise of God because here's what Habakkuk says chapter 2 verse 3 he says though it tarry wait for it because it will surely come you like that Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 3 says write write it down hang on to it Listen, if you have a promise of God, I would encourage you to write it in your journal. If you've not done so, write it in the back of your Bible. When you go to prayer, just say, God, I'm still holding on to my promise. I'm still holding on. I'm still claiming my promise. I'm still claiming my husband that's going to serve you. I'm still claiming that wife that's going to serve you. I'm still still claiming healing for my body because Isaiah 53 says, by your stripes we're healed. I'm still claiming finances for my, my household. I'm still claiming those things, God, because your word says it. Listen, that's not, today people would say that's pie in the sky. You know what? Don't wake me up if it is. Because I still believe not one word spoke was spoken in idleness. It means something. When people ask you, why don't you just give up? Why don't you quit? Can't you see it's over? You know what? Listen to me. God will restore everything that the poma worm, the caterpillar, the canker worm has taken. That's exactly what the Bible says. When I started pastoring here, i got to close. Guys, come on back. I'm to wrap this up. When I came to this church in 1993, you know, every year I'm having to scroll a little bit <laughs> farther. When I, when I came to this church in 1993, none of that over there was in existence. The building was in disrepair. Old orange carpet, or, orange pews. 30 people in the building. Most of them most of them elderly people, there were a few ladies in that building that would catch me almost every week. And it was kind of funny because, you know, I was 27 years old. I was a young man, didn't know any better but to believe because these ladies, I'm telling you, they had faith and that faith was infectious. It was contagious. Church was small and struggling you know we again you, it, these ladies would catch me and they would say young man that's what they do young man god promised that he would restore everything and that's what they would say the palm worm the canker worm the caterpillar has taken god will restore it most of those people that li- that were here in 93 lived to see the restoration and the fulfillment of the promise God made. Don't tell me that God doesn't keep his word. The Bible says from generation to generation, he maintains his word, he keeps it. Those ladies had gone, they had seen the church go through upheaval and difficulties but yet there was something inside. They had a promise. How did they get that promise? Because they were interceding and praying to God and God spoke to them and gave them assurance that I'm going to do something in those last days and let me tell you you and I are living on the result of their faith. They prayed and they prayed and they prayed and they prayed and God gave them a word and they held on to that word and it became a reality. I'm telling you this morning, you might be sitting next to a tomb and you're because it seems like everything is hopeless and dying and gone but I'm telling you you're not sitting next to death you're sitting next to potential and if you'll hang on to the promise it will become a reality your Sunday will dawn a new day will dawn and you'll see the promise fulfilled I'm telling you I'm excited because we are living in a very very good a very exciting time listen I know these are perilous days and I know everywhere we turn we see calamity we see chaos. We see confusion. But Jesus said in John chapter 14, he said, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me and my father's house, our many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, but I'm going to prepare a place. And here's what he said. And if I go, I'll come back. And I'll receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also. Let me tell you, the world could be going to hell in a handbasket, but I still have a promise from my Lord and my Savior that he's gone to prepare a place and he's coming back one day and we need to be ready for him to return. Listen, hang on to that promise. Hang on to that promise. God's promise he's coming back while people scoff and they question. Listen, I'm not going to move. I'm not going to stick my finger in my mouth and hold it up and see which way the wind blows. I'm going to stand planted on the only foundation, the chief cornerstone. I will not be moved. I will stand on the firmness of the rock that is higher and greater than I. What are you sitting next to this morning? What are you weeping for today? The Bible says in the last days many will depart from the faith. I'll be part of that departures because many are sitting by the promise, but they see death. They see ruin. That's what they see because they're seeing with the eyes of the natural and they're not seeing with the eyes of faith. Listen, I believe every time, that's why we do altar calls. I saw a little article that came across my desk the other day on my computer. And the title of the article was things that churches should stop doing in modern times. Do you know what one of those things on the list was? Quit having altar calls because it makes people uncomfortable. That's what it said. Again, that was, I had a theological word for that. <laughs> but that's what it said. It says in, in today's modern times, people don't want to feel the uncomfortableness of stepping out of where they are to come to the altar. Nonsense. The altar is where we're altered. The altar is where I take all the bull and I cut the bull. It's where I get real. It's where I open up and say, Lord, come into the deep recesses. Take every pain, every hurt, every disappointment. Take it. I leave it. I I sacrifice. I crucify. It's where I take myself. And I lay it on the altar. I'll never call me a dinosaur, call me a throwback, but these altars, this area here, will always be sacred to me. And I will always close out inviting you to come, because who knows but that today could be your third day. You may have sit there for your, you may have been sitting there for your promise for a long time. You may have been holding on to your promise for a long time. You know what? Today could be your Sunday. Today could be the realization of what you thought was dead now is beaming with new life and new opportunity. Why are you crying? I think the point was, why are you crying when the author of life is standing right in front of you? Why are you crying when the one who can change and alter everything is standing right in front of you? If you follow the rest of that story, she says, sir, thinking he's the gardener, what did you do with Jesus? See, sometimes we look at, we ask that question, what, do you, what have you done with Jesus? You know, we get in the middle of our mess, right? And we like, what did you do with Jesus? And I love what he said. He said, Mary. And the Bible said, she knew. Maybe today, I'm closing. Maybe today, you've been sitting next to your tomb for a long time and you're wondering what happened to Jesus why are you weeping John Susie Heather Rachel Kenneth why are you weeping he's calling us by name why so that you know that hope personified is still there Listen, we're not here to serve a dead Savior. We're here because He's a resurrected Lord. He's here as the the bright and morning star, the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley. He's here as the Son of Righteousness with healing in his wings. And he's ready for us to see that promise realized. I want you to stand with me this morning. Why are you crying? maybe here this morning maybe the whole, this whole message because there was other things I could have preached but maybe he directed me to preach this today because many of you maybe some, maybe many of us here today are sitting next to a promise but that promise has prolonged itself maybe it's been 10 years 15 years maybe it's been a week he still cares by the way And Jesus is our advocate and he's our intercessor. And I promise you right now, hes the Bible says he ever lives to make intercession for us. He's praying for each of us right now that our faith fell not. Some of you have given up on the church because the church, quite frankly, the church hasn't, the body, the universal body of Christ hasn't been what it should have been. But Jesus is still who he is. Through all of our flaws, all of our shortcomings, he still remains perfect in all of his ways. And he still remains ready to heal your hurt, to restore your joy, and to birth in you hope again if you're willing to see the potential. See, Mary sat next to a tomb weeping because all she could see was death. Death. And the finality of a tomb when all along there was a miracle in the making. So my, my, my closing statement is this. Ask God to give you eyes to see the potential of the promise that he made to you so that you walk out of here with hope today. As I sing this morning, I'm going to ask if you're here today and say, you know what, Pastor? I need to renew. I want God to renew that promise in me Maybe you've been hanging on to it for a long time. Again, Habakkuk says, write it down. Make it plain. Though it tarry, it will come to pass. Surely it will. Just renew that commitment. God, I don't understand. You know what? And again, write it down. Write it in your Bible. Write it in your journal. And every day, pray that prayer. God, I'm hanging on to a healing promise. I'm, I'm hanging on to that son, that daughter that has abandoned the faith. I'm, 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 I'm hanging on to it, that husband, that wife. I'm hanging on to that marriage. I'm hanging on to the finances. I'm renewing my, that promise, my hope. When they sing, would you come this morning? Would you just, again, come to the altar, let God begin to alter you. Why are you crying? Let it out. Confess it. God, I, I've hurt I've been disappointed in you. I mean, it's okay to say that. I've been disappointed because I didn't, I thought you should have answered by now and you haven't. God, I'm disappointed. But I'm going to keep hanging on to hope as long as you sit up on the throne, there's still possibilities and potential. Renew that in me. Would you sing and would you come this morning? Would you just renew that hope?
1: I'm called. The God
0: of Jacob. Whose Come on, friend, this is your day. This is your
1: generation.
0: day. Thank you, Lord. Renew that right spirit in us. I
1: know that you will keep
0: your commandments. I'm calling
1: on the God of Moses, the one who opens. To do the same thing for me, for me, for me. Oh God, my God, I need you. Oh God. leave. Mm-hmm. children now you are the same God you are the same
0: I believe that, Church. He's the same. The theological term there is immutable. It means He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. What God did for you last month, last year, in your lifetime, He'll do again today. I want to. I want to close out with this right here. I know God. I won't. I won't. God to continue ministering to people here today but I want to say this before you leave run your race while they were singing that song I just felt like the Lord dropped that in my spirit run your race so many people have been sidelined because the promise hasn't been fulfilled in their window of expectation keep running your race there's a finish line friend there's a finish line And the prize will go to those who finish. So keep running the race with all of its disappointments and all of its challenges because you were made for more than this. And God's promised you an eternity in heaven. If If your life is bad right now, I promise you this is as bad as it will ever be because what God has in store for us I hath not seen, ear hath not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love Him." This is as bad as it will ever be. I'm not minimizing your pain. I'm just simply saying, keep your eyes where they need to be and trust that God will always be with you. Father, I thank you today, Lord, many of us are like Mary. We sit by the promise, but to us it's a tomb that, house, that houses dead things. But to you, it's a promise of potential. So Lord, help us to change our sight so that we might see with eyes of faith. Lord, what appears to be dead, what appears to be over and done, Lord, may we see the seed that's been planted in faith. May we hold on to that promise that is yet to germinate and grow and produce. So Lord, help us today to not be distracted by all the peripheral things that are going on, and to focus on the promise that was made and the promise that was spoken. And even though it might be Friday in our life, even though things may appear to be uh, sinking fast, Lord, we're third day people and we believe in the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And on the third day, a new beginning begins. So Lord, help us, whether we're in our Friday, our Saturday, or maybe we early in the Sunday morning, Lord, may we hang on to that promise that's been given to us. Because there's potential I ask you to help us to keep running take us out of here today I pray with the determination that there's no need for us to be weeping over things of our life because we stand. we serve the one who can make it all change in a moment we serve you the author and the perfecter of our faith so father help us to walk out of here grounded in who you are And lord may we claim those promises and hang on to that promise until it comes to pass lord you said wait for it though it tarry hang on to it because it will surely come to pass lord i stand in agreement right now with every person here everyone online i I stand in agreement for those that are hanging on to health issues those that are hanging on to family issues marriage issues children parenting issues financial issues lord i stand in agreement with them right now that your promise will be fulfilled and come to bear in their life I ask you to go with us now, take us out of here, rejoicing in your faithfulness and in your goodness. And Lord, when we hear that question asked, why are you weeping? May we recognize it is you who are asking us the question. You are the embodiment of hope and future. I love and I bless each one now in the mighty name of Jesus. And we all said, amen. Thank you for being with us online this morning. I look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you and I love you very much.
1: Your children then, you hear your children now, you are the same God, you are the same God, you answer prayers back then, and you will answer now. You are the same God, you are the same.